This is Digital Marketing Fastlane. This podcast will show you how to build, launch, grow, and scale a widely successful online business. Listen to real conversations with proven practical strategies and success stories. You're going to learn how to generate more traffic, more sales, more profit, and customer lifetime value for your online store. Coming to you from the online marketing experts at Voy Media, here's your host, Kevin Urrutia. Hey everybody, it's Kevin Urutia here with Digital Marketing Fastlane. And today I have a very special guest. Today I have the CEO of Ketamine Wellness Centers. It's Kevin Nicholson, who's the CEO and he has tons of experience in the space. And really for today, our listeners really want to be talking about how he's been growing this company that he kind of joined and then now it's CEO and then sort of his experience maybe transitioning from the space of becoming an owner, a business owner and going from there. But Kevin, thanks for coming to the show today. Love for you to just give yourself a quick intro of your, your background and sort of you know kind of what you're doing right now. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Kevin. So as we talked about, you know, my background is I'm a registered nurse, trained in critical care, and went into administration to try to get a little more clinical expertise into the C-suites of different hospital systems and those kind of entities because a lot of them were being managed by more of a business background and so forth. Worked my way up into the C-suites of different hospitals out here in Arizona and was part of a layoff back in the uh, kind of the recession years back in 2008 and found myself uh, back at the bedside and uh, working as a clinician again, which was really rewarding, but um, it didn't pay quite as well. And (laughs) it really wasn't having quite the impact. So saw an opportunity to kind of get back into the hospital setting, but a boutique treatment with low-dose ketamine treatments was being evaluated up in Scottsdale, and I had some time on my schedule to be the clinician in that practice and and join into this, this program. So I started out chair-side working with the patients and uh, saw profound benefit of these patients and moved more into a administrative role in that organization and started working with uh, my partners, Dr. Murphy and Dr. Diamond. And my wife, Julie, joined me and mm-hmm. the previous owner in the past as our marketing and HR person. But because of the fact that we had some different visions of the company, mm-hmm. I guess, going forward, we decided to break our relationship with the previous owner and go on our own. And that mm-hmm. was really my first movement ever into a independent ownership practice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, whereas our physicians obviously had practices and, you know, were entrepreneurs of such, but this was completely brand new and kind of scary, to be honest with you. I have a question there. It's kind of interesting. You kind of like broke off and without going too much detail, was that like a clean split? Was it sort of like, hey, look, what you guys are looking for is in what, like whatever the core team or the core clinicians there wanted? Is that sort of like that? Or did you sort of like buy them out? Was it sort of something like that? Or kind of like, how would you describe it? Yeah, it was kind of an uncomfortable relationship breakup. <laughs> Let's okay, just yeah. put it that way. Yeah. You're absolutely right. You know, the gentleman's vision was very different than our vision. We were looking at this alternative treatment as a option for current treating psychiatrists and pain management doctors to have another tool in their tool belt. Whereas the previous owners saw it as, let's fight against the current uh, 
psychiatric community and uh, paint them as as uh, negative influencers and doing bad work. And you know that's that's a thousand pound gorilla to take on yeah. <laughs> the psychiatric community and try as a small little clinic. So we decided that we had different different visions of how to be successful and thus parted ways. Okay, perfect. And I think it's a great lesson here for a lot of uh, entrepreneurs listening. It's sometimes, it's funny you're saying that because one of my first companies was a local company called Ameta, which is a home cleaning company. And at least the idea for, at least for me, came because I was working at a company that didn't really do home cleaning, but I saw what they were doing. And like anything, I, I like, I guess any entrepreneur someone that sees it, it's kind of like, I think it could be done differently, right? And it's like, right. I think a lot of people sometimes get caught up with, you know, I got to think of something new. I mean, it doesn't necessarily need to be new. It could be something you're already a part of. You're seeing like issues like, oh, this is, I, if I were running this company, I would do it like this, or I would try this, or, you know, I would optimize it this way. And I think that's sometimes super helpful uh, for brand new owners because, you know, like my previous company, it was already working. So I know there was demand there. I don't have to reinvent this sort of wheel of like, all right, I'm going to get customers. It's like, you've already seen what that looks like. How do you sort of come in and make it a little bit better using your own way? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You, you know, you have to be mindful in regards to, you know, if you enter into any kind of agreements. And one of the big things that I learned early on is, you know, be take your time in reading contracts and and any kind of disclosures or non-compete clauses and those kind of things that could potentially limit your ability to take, like you said, the information you know and learn and be able to do it better and independently and so forth. So the, the legal component of owning your own business, even though it can be very time consuming and can also be very expensive, it's important that you you have good representation and that you trust the people that you're working with. Yeah. And I, I think what you're saying is so important. When I was much younger, like, you know, you would read a contract, you're like, yeah, whatever, you sign it. Yeah. And then right. as you start doing business, you're like, well, like, actually, like, these contracts are very important because you never, you never know what could happen. And it's such a uh, thing that, like, you know, when I was much younger, it's like, ah, whatever, like, no one's going to come sue me or come do this. But, like, it's not even that. It's just like, you just like, sometimes you just can't do things because you sign yeah. something without even thinking about it. Yeah. We've gotten accustomed to, Every download that we get on our phone or whatever, you agree to the terms yep. and they ask you if you want to read it and you just go, nope, and you nope. sign it. Yeah. And uh, when, you're, when you're really looking at doing your own business and getting into these relationships, that can be longstanding relationships. Most of our leases are five-year lease oh, terms. Yeah. You want to make sure that you're not setting yourself up that uh, yeah. you know, you're, you're going to run into some, some either legal challenges or financial challenges. With both. Yeah. And that's so important. I think it's, I mean, you probably have experienced this, like at least for me too, it's sort of like, you're looking to sell a company. We sold a company and like the acquirer wants, Hey, send me every contract you've ever sent or worked with. And it's like, Oh crap. Like that's somewhere in like this computer that like I'd somewhere in my mom's house. Right. And you got to go find yep. them. So again, going back with contracts, just like having great file organization, keeping everything some sort of Dropbox or Google Drive, you know, yep. kind of important and just like general stuff. <laughs> yeah. And back it up. Make yeah. sure that you back it up. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Kevin, I want to talk to you about kind of like, you know, the growth. So what's really interesting that I like about your business, which is similar to my old one, was that you're a mix of like maybe online plus sort of physical location. 
For my cleaning company, we were just based in New York City. And Kevin has a lot of other interviews out there. If you guys want to watch and sort of see more stuff from him. But I remember you're saying that you, the first place you want to come were close because you didn't have experience sort of going to like, let's say Denver or going to some, you know, other state that you weren't familiar with. And yeah, I think a lot of local businesses such as mine back in the day, we were just New York City and we only did like New York City, Manhattan. Then we said, okay, let's do New Jersey because it's right across the river and we can go there if something goes wrong, right? Versus right. like, let's go to Texas where, you know, <laughs> we got to fly there. But kind of talk to us about what were some of the plans for growth and sort of how did that sort of happen and, you know, kind of maybe the future too, as like you're kind of seeing, you know, stuff opening up again. Sure. Yeah. Briefly, we we started in downtown Phoenix in a small little 1500 square foot space, you know, kept our rent low and those kind of things and saw an opportunity. We were treating mostly mental health at that time. And uh, so we had three treatment rooms. You're right. We were doing some online psychological and psychiatric evaluations of patients, but the actual treatment itself has to be done in person. So we had to have a physical presence in whatever community we were treating. So we started in Phoenix and a pain management hospital closed and they were, they were looking for somebody to pick up some of their patients that required outpatient ketamine infusion for chronic pain conditions. And they wanted to know if we would do that. And we evaluated the protocols and made sure from a safety perspective, as well as a, a outcomes-based perspective that Dr. Murphy and I felt comfortable and confident that we could do this and provide the service for patients safely. And in an outpatient clinic, we could do that. So we very quickly outgrew that treatment space because of that additional volume. So we moved our location to Mesa, which was a, a suburb of the Phoenix metro area and gave us a lot larger footprint. But like you all, we were looking to expand and we were we were getting a lot of patients because this treatment was still very boutique back in 2016. There was only a handful of clinics that were doing it in the United States. We would get patients in from other states and get what we call stabilized. So they get their initial series of treatments, but it does unfortunately require some ongoing maintenance therapy. And it was just difficult for patients to come down from Chicago and get treated and feel better but not be able to do the routine follow-ups as they traditionally would, either because of cost or because of time or a little bit of both. So we decided that let's look into um, expansion, you know, because we're not, we, we looked at other, other states and different doctors and tried to partner up with doctors, but again, looking at our core values and our core vision, it didn't always align with the people that we were speaking to, or they had unrealistic expectations of cash value of either their time or revenue or EBITDA performance, you know, in a very short period of time. And again, one of the big things for us was that we trusted each other. We had a good partnership of the four of us. And so we decided to do it on our own and opened up our first satellite clinic in Tucson. And the, Impetus of that was not only to, because we were getting patients coming up from Tucson, but could we get more volume and see if we could support a satellite office without replicating a bunch of different positions, such as your billing office and your financial department? How do we do some of those things remotely? And like you, Kevin, you, if there was a problem down in Tucson, it's a two-hour drive as opposed to jumping on a plane. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I think what you're saying is it's so important because 
there's stuff that happens in a business, kind of you're saying like filling, you know, you know, customer service, for example, that can really happen in one office for many satellite offices where yes. I've seen it like where people have like a separate billing. I'm like, you, that's so inefficient. I'm like, you just have one, like one person's not going to be that busy to not yeah. be able to do. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know why you need like a separate billing for each office, but like I've seen it myself, like for my company, we had like New York city was like our main office. Sure. And then everything here happened. And even for customer service, we had one person just answering all different phone numbers. And we just would use something like Grasshopper to get a different number and be like, yeah, cool. Like, you know, we can answer it and help you out there. Even though like our maids were local, we weren't local. We just obviously used Google Maps. We're like, hey, this is how you can get to this place and this place. And we didn't need to be there. Exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 It, we, we followed a similar model. We had in our satellite offices, we would hire in our clinicians and we would hire in our front office person. Their, their title was the yeah. office administrator. Back in the day when volume was a little bit lower and our marketing was a little bit less, um, we had less capital going into our marketing budget. We cross trained our front office people to also be the mm -hmm. marketing sales type education people because we didn't need to have a whole separate department at that time that focused primarily on uh, potential patient acquisition and patient education, you know, that could be shared in that current role because yeah. of the volume in those buildings. Exactly. And I think it's, it's something too that I think about when you're a small business, such as ours, people kind of do a little bit of everything, which is yes. just like very different than, you know, right. like these tech companies. I find it very interesting because I used to work for tech and I'm like, okay, like this person just does customer service. This person just does like the website. This person just does the coding. But when you work in a small business, like one person does all that. And that's because you, we just don't have money to pay for three separate people, right? And I see like hire somebody like, well, no, I can't do that. I'm like, no, you could do it. I know you yeah. can. Like, it's not that yeah. hard. Tech has just made, you know, hiring people and making, sometimes people aren't as flexible as they used to be because they're just like, no, I only want to do this one part. I'm like, don't you want to learn everything? Because like, this is fun for me, you know, but obviously, you know, what are your experience there with like some people and kind of like how you seen transitioning? You're right. And it's finding the right employees, you know, the people, like you said, who are excited about new opportunities, learning new things that they could be a part of yep. and aren't fearful to make that mistake, you know, and, yeah. and, and can grow in a company that is opening up those doors. You know, you unfortunately do find yourself weeding through a yeah. number of people because, the unicorns are not easy to find out there, but once you find them, you want to treat them well. You want to retain them because they are, they are worth it. They are yeah. definitely worth it. Yeah. And I think it's, you hear all the time, but you're saying it's, it's always the people. Like I yeah. couldn't run my companies if I was doing all the thinking, I was doing all the work. It's like, sometimes you really want to hire these people that are smarter than you. It's so cliche to say, but you do want people to be like, hey, like Kevin, or not you, but me, but like, mm -hmm. hey, this is how I would do with things. So I'm like, oh, go give it a shot, right? And our job sometimes is to get out of the way and be like, okay, like I know I don't know this stuff. That's why I hired you. Just go do it. Like, because I can't right. think of like every way to set up a business, every way to set up marketing. It's like, at one point, I'm just like, just too much mental power that it's just too tough. Yeah. You know, if you, again, based on your budget and what you can do, you know, sometimes you have that infrastructure, but then you look at it strategically. Like I said, my wife was doing all of our marketing because she had owned a prior business. So she was familiar with different ad campaigns and Google campaigns and Facebook campaigns and those kind of things. But she got to her level of 
I've maximized my knowledge base when it comes to this stuff. So now we need to actually hire somebody in who understands how to do this, understands SEO, understands and you got to make, and that's where, you know, as a owner, we made the conscious decision because there's lots of consulting companies out there. You know, there's lots of different uh, contracts that you can do, which again, looks good on paper, but depending on your, what you're doing, the business you're doing, is it such a unique business that having somebody work on it five to 10 hours a week is going to meet the needs of your customer? Or do you really need somebody who really learns it and understands it and can really focus on how to market to that, that unique type of patient population or customer population? And again, that's a business decision that sometimes you make good decisions, sometimes you don't. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's sometimes like, yeah, it's like, I think what you're saying is pretty important before too. It's like, sometimes people do some roles, but it, it can apply to many different things. Like, you know, marketing is marketing. You still got to sell a product or service. And, you know, some of the old tactics can still work. You just got to apply it differently. A lot, a lot of people sometimes, you know, they get that confused. I'm like, no, you can apply some of these tactics. Like kind of universal. It's just little slightly changed application of it. But, Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yep. And okay, Kevin, a few more questions. Sure. I'd love for you to sort of, you know, just somebody like yourself that started as like a clinician, a registered nurse, how did you sort of take the leap or what gave you the confidence to be like, yep, I can own a business. You know, I feel like a lot of times I tell people all the time, like anybody can be a business owner. Like it doesn't matter what degree you got. It doesn't matter where you went to school. Like what made you decide, yep, I'm ready for this or I can do it. Or, you know, what someone, some advice you would give to people. Well, I had been a, a hospital CEO, so I had that leadership experience and was somewhat confident in, like yeah. you said, I'm so, I was somewhat confident in my understanding of different uh, financial uh, programs and different you know, ways to look at businesses and so forth. But the biggest thing for me is I really believed in what we did. You know, uh, it, it was so fulfilling both as a clinician but also as an owner or as a just as a human being to see a treatment that you really believed in was can make a profound difference in the lives of our patients and the lives of our patients families and that really was the push because if we didn't decide to take this company over and or do it on our own from the previous that opportunity for this treatment was going to disappear at that time in this market and you know and i had 20 to 30 patients that had already told me if it wasn't for this this treatment you know i wouldn't be alive today and so the passion was already there for making sure that i don't care how many how many checks I have to write to an attorney to get through this thing, you know, these people deserve to continue to feel well and do well. And we need to share this with the rest of the world if we can. So, yeah, yeah. we say it makes sense. It's like at one point at any business, it's, you have to really enjoy what you're doing and not just like enjoy like, Oh, like, you know, like I'm passionate about like, you know, whatever cutting trees, but like, you know, what? it's helpful for people. It's like, Hey, this is the thing that's going to help somebody. And that makes you feel good. And that you need to find that because, Eventually, like any business, I tell people the time, there's high highs, but there's low lows, but there's yeah. these moments that 
you have to be like, yep, this is why I'm doing it for. And, it, and for many people, it's many different things. It could be gratification, money, the people you have. Sometimes, at least for me, I'm thinking like, hey, like I, I like the people I'm working with. Like I want everybody to have a job, right? So it's like, that's sometimes what yeah. drives you, right? So, yeah. yeah. You know, I look at, you know, when we started, it, it was a job that was paying for my income and my, and my family's income. And, you know, even though it was tight, you know, it was enough to kind of yeah. get us by. And yeah, I could have made a lot more doing, you know, clinical stuff or administrative stuff. Now we've got 80 plus employees. Our payroll is close to three and a half, four million dollars. And I sit there and go, we're putting a lot of food and gas yeah. in different people's cars and, and filling people, families' bellies that probably would have had an opportunity. But, you know, it just it, it does feel really exciting at the end of the year when you look at it and go how many how many lives are we helping by being open not only as a clinician but as an employer yeah and and i think that's so important it's like it's one of those things that you don't realize that it's good but also kind of what you're saying it's a lot of pressure where you're like oh, oh my god like this is like oh i think i'm like oh my god this payroll is crazy like you don't yeah. like it just like creeps up on you you're like oh my god yeah it's like good and bad yeah. it's like great and i'm like oh my god payroll yeah yeah yeah. So, yeah you sit there and look at it every two weeks yep. and go okay here it comes again yeah yeah, yeah, yeah all right you know, gotta make sales yeah. yeah and not to get you off track kevin but last year with all the mess with oh, covid god. and that kind of stuff you know, it was even that much more important to make sure that everybody was continuing to be able to get employed and get treated and those kind of things. So, yeah, yeah, perfect. All right, Kevin, love chatting with you. So many great stories and insights from you. I'd love for you, Kevin, to sort of maybe where can people find you, connect with you, or even just like, you know, potentially check out your website if they're looking for some treatment uh, in your center. Yeah, yeah. So I'm on LinkedIn, you know, at Kevin Nicholson with Ketamine Wellness Centers. My easiest way to email me is kevin at ketaminewellnesscenters.com. And our website is www.ketaminewellnesscenters.com. We've got the 10 clinics in, in eight states currently. We are going to be expanding, hopefully hopefully actually up into your area, Kevin, next summer or fall. I don't really want to come up to the New York area in, in the winter. Uh, I like oh, that yeah. reason. And then our, like I said, our website and 855-KETWELL, K-E-T-W-E-L-L is our phone number to just get additional information. If you, if you want to talk to me or if you want to talk about the treatments and those kind of things. Perfect. Uh, Kevin, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Guys, appreciate coming a listen and a follow. And any questions or comments, feel free to email me or you can always email Kevin on LinkedIn as well. Kevin, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. This week's episode of Digital Marketing Fastlane was brought to you by the performance marketing experts at Voy Media. Join us again next time as we'll be bringing you more tips, techniques, and know-how to make your online business the very best that it can be. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, we'd love to hear them on Twitter at Voy Media. Thank you.